We're starting things off with a word from our sponsor. Since 1998, DVD Netflix has delivered more than 5 billion DVD and Blu-ray rentals to movie lovers in every American zip code and to military bases around the world in their famous, iconic red envelopes. With an extensive library of titles from the early 1900s to today and shows from such premium networks as HBO and Showtime, DVD Netflix is a must for physical media lovers. Featuring a variety of different plans starting at as little as $8.99 per month, it's a great way to experience DVDs and Blu-rays with special features and commentary tracks you won't find anywhere else. A member for over 20 years, so well before I ever began working with the service as an official blogger on acting or as a DVD, Netflix, Twitter, film discussion host, I think it's a terrific way to keep our vintage video store memories alive and support the physical media that we love so much. So be sure to check out DVD Netflix for yourself at dvd.com. Now on with the show. Hey, this is Jen Johans at FilmIntuition.com and FilmIntuition on social media and Letterboxd. And this is Watch with Jen. Today, I am so pleased to welcome to the podcast Jason Carney, who is not only a colleague and friend, but also the incredibly hardworking executive director of the Phoenix Film Festival. It's a fun, filmmaker-friendly, nationally acclaimed, impressive event, which has run for 23 years, held at the wonderful Harkins Scottsdale 101 Theater, this year's festival is set to open on Thursday, March 23rd, with Ray Romano's directorial debut, Somewhere in Queens, and will run through Sunday, April 2nd, with director Chris McKay's Renfield, starring Nicolas Cage, slated to close down the festivities. Jason, I want to thank you so much for being here. I can't wait to learn more about the films and events you have on deck for the festival, as well as just asking you more about its background and your involvement overall. So how are you doing and how's this year been treating you so far? You know, it's busy. It's, uh, you know, high stakes. It's that time of year. Where yeah. it's like, uh, I feel like we're like a like accountants where we're always busy in March and April, just insane. And then after that, it's quiet. So uh, that's <laughs> how it is this time of year. Uh, but, you know, it's uh, we've got a great festival. So um, we just got to work hard and we're it's here just a few days away. And you're also associated with the Peoria Festival. Is that like a sister fest? Yeah. Um, the Phoenix Film Foundation, we're a nonprofit organization, and we do all these cool things underneath that umbrella. The Phoenix Film Festival and the Peoria Film Festival, which happens in October, November each year. And then, of course, the International Horror and Sci-Fi Film Festival that happens during the Phoenix Film Festival. The Arizona Student Film Festival that happens wow. at the Phoenix Film Festival. Our uh, monthly uh, screening group, the Phoenix Film Society, and then IFP Phoenix, which is our filmmaker networking education group, and uh, the Phoenix Critics Circle. So all those things uh, fall under everything we do. Yes, of which I am so proud to be a member. I used to write for the Phoenix Film Festival website because Jason was kind enough to invite me. And uh, looking over some of the press releases that have just gone out, 
as we're recording this on St. Patrick's Day, I noticed that this year's crop of documentary titles is particularly strong, with films about such wonderfully rich subjects as Judy Bloom, Stephon Curry, and Michael J. Fox. So what can you tell us about these movies and any other documentaries that you've loved this year? You know, I think what's really cool is like, uh, they're just like not, uh, I don't know, like all of these people are so unique and so like special and great people. Like you mentioned yeah. Michael J. Fox and ever, who doesn't love Michael J. Fox? Come on. Um, <laughs> and, and Judy Bloom. you grew up with Judy Bloom. There's so many like great things about this documentary when we watched that was like, is he great or is this documentary great? And I decided it was both. Like, it's yes. just so it's so amazing. It just has uh, all the feels. I remember when you're growing up, like reading her book and then you find out like all these really cool things about her, like along this path. And it, it felt like that Mr. Rogers documentary from a few years back. For me. <sighs> and so uh, so that's really great. Steph Curry. I mean, uh, he's such a great he's such a great basketball player, probably like maybe the greatest shooter ever. But like you know, this, this documentary tracks his life and, and what he does, you know, what he's done and, and his life, you know, and, and he and his wife, they, they do so many great things for the, for the community. And he's just a really great guy. And so that's, that's really cool. And then we've got a documentary about Yogi Berra called oh, wow. Over. Yeah. Which is like, you know, he's the most uh, yeah. quotable sports athlete uh, personality ever. And, uh, you know, he lived a life. And so it's really cool. And they've got his family engaged and, and so many like Billy Crystal's involved with it and Bob Costa. So, you know, Yankees fans, uh, baseball guys. Um, and then um, Little Richard, we have a documentary about Little Richard. Oh, wow. Played Sundance and, you know, him, you know, being one of the early pioneers of rock and roll. Just so great. But also, you know, being, uh, you know, a flamboyant black man. And, and you know, and he, he became like, uh, you know, a, an LGBTQ icon you know, in in a very difficult time to do that. Yeah. And so like uh, this documentary about him and, and who he was, it's also great. So these like five documentaries, just like bigger than life people. And, and uh, you know, they, they don't, uh, you know, you see some of these documentaries about celebrities and stuff and they feel a little, a little puffed out. And, and, and these yeah. are just really like great stories. And, you know, like, you know, the story of these people and it's just great to find out new things and they For are sure. who you believe they are, which is really great. That's always good. And especially the Yogi Berra documentary, that's perfect for right now because spring training is going on here in Scottsdale, Phoenix area. So, yeah. Right. And he's yeah. like one of those guys that just transcends like like everybody's heard his quotes, whether you're a baseball fan or not. Uh, it's really yeah. great. And so it, it's not just like, oh, baseball fans are going to like this movie. You know, people are just going to like people. the movie. And just like, right. And just I think yeah. like you don't have to be like a little Richard fan to appreciate no you know, human interest right. yeah it's just like learning about these people is, is really uh you know a fascinating thing exactly yeah i love history and learning more about uh people because you learn more about yourself and the world for sure well it's hard to believe that pff is celebrating 23 years congratulations what were its origins like and how did you first get involved in the fest um, you know, uh, there were there were two filmmakers, uh, Colin Ramirez and Chris Lamont, that uh, founded the festival. They lived in Arizona and, uh, you know, in Phoenix, and there was no festival here. And so they were like, why can't we have a festival? And so they reached out to the city of Phoenix film office at the time, and, and they got a little guidance there. And the, the city gave them like a cubicle to, to operate the festival <laughs> out of and in 2000. So the first festival was 2001. And, and uh, my high school friend, Greg Hall, uh, he was oh, roommates yeah. with, uh, yeah, he was roommates with Chris. Lamont, and so he became the program director, 
And so Greg uh, asked me if I wanted to come help out and be part of the festival. And uh, I had no idea what a film festival was at that point in my life. And I was like, sure, we're going to hang out. We're going to do stuff. And it was one of those things, you know, the very first year, like everybody's kind of like figuring out what everybody's going to do. And, and Greg and I just took on the theater operations and, and ran with that for the uh, for the festival. And then from there, you know, I did that for a couple of years and gradually, you know, I did some short, short film programming. And then in 2005, uh, this became my full-time job as the executive director of the, the foundation. It just worked out. You know, I was working in healthcare management for a long time and I just kind yeah, of got burned right. out on that. Yeah. So I just yeah. like, I couldn't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I did this, I really did this like as my full-time job for six months, not getting paid. Oh my and goodness. until there was a paid job. Yeah. Fortunately, I, I was married to who I've been married to. So she's really, you know, supportive and patient. Oh, and like, good. uh, yeah, it worked out great in the long run. And, uh, so here we are, you know, I've been doing this, it will be uh, coming up in 18 years, um, I think actually right around this time. Um, That's amazing. So, yeah. Yeah, um, I love that. Well, the first festival that I remember getting involved with when I moved here was the Scottsdale International Film Festival. Amy Ettinger, I was like the volunteer coordinator, and then I did... Uh, writing the film summaries for the program guide and then I was a grant writer and then I went over to your festival and checked it out and loved it and I just loved getting involved in all the festivals here and I remember talking to Amy and she said when she was starting out she sought guidance with the Toronto Film Festival and they kind of like shepherd her a little bit um do you guys partner with any other festivals as far as like sharing info on getting some of the films um do you have good contacts with the other festivals maybe in the region um you know we 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 reach out that you know in the in the world of social media now it's a whole different yeah than when we started so you know there's like film festival groups where everybody's oh, cool. knowledge is shared and stuff like that we we um we don't go after films that way um we do it uh, more organically you know we do a a call for entries and then like the bigger films we work with the, you know, working with distributors and, and studios to acquire those films. Um, but in terms of like, Hey, what's going on here? You know, it's great to like different industry knowledge through that group. And you get a wide range from really small festivals to really huge nice. festivals in that group. So that's really nice. And, you know, we're kind of in that, like we're a, we're a large regional festival yeah. you know, that has national, national appeal. And for uh, sure. you know, we're not, we're not South by Southwest. We're not Sundance. We never will be. You know, we just want to be. We just want to be as great as we can be. Yeah. You know, ultimately, and kind of carve out our own thing. You know, we're not uh, big on like, okay, this is what the industry is doing. You know, we want to. We want to do our thing and how we do it, and and who the film film festival is is uh, kind of our uh, our our approach to you know how we execute our festival because this is a totally different market and film festivals like. Um, uh you know they're all unique and you're you're they are. you know where you go you know even from us to like scottsdale and sedona you know yeah, um, sedona even that, that that right that regional like we're all very different festivals and we have different audiences and we have different uh you know and our programming is very different you know particularly scottsdale there are more international and while mm-hmm. we have a nice healthy international section you know we're programming you know Primarily a lot of U.S. Right, exactly. We were, yeah. we're uh, you know, we want to be more uh, of an accessible festival where it's kind of a little something for everybody. Yeah, exactly. I was very proud to be a world cinema juror when I, uh, on, as part of the last Phoenix Film Festival, that was a lot of fun. I think that was the previous year. Yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed checking out those movies. We should probably tell filmmakers listening how they can submit their films. Oh, sure. You know, we open for our call for entries 
uh, early August and we run through like the first or second week of December. And, you know, it's the uh, early bird, late, extended late. So it's better pricing wise to get in your film early. Um, and, uh, you know, we get to you go through phoenixfilmfestival.com. We have a submissions page with all that information. And we're, you know, we run, what's really important for us is we really run like an, an ethical process, you know. Yeah. Any films that any films that come through for our competition, they come through that call for entries. We don't go out and recruit. We're not saving spots for anybody. Yeah, that's know? so and nice. We don't, right. And we don't like make Play our final favorites. decisions. Right, yeah. exactly. Like if you're an alumni, you don't get a free pass. You know, your movie better be good or we just want to <laughs> it happen. It happens. You know, I, yeah. I hate that we have to reject them, but that's how it goes. And, um, you know, and we don't make our selections until everything is viewed. So like if we found oh, a film, good. if you find a film in September that you love, like it's not fair to anybody to lock that in. Just wait till you watch that's everything and then point. make your picks. Yeah. Because you yeah. might some, yeah, you might find something in that like same genre, same field, that's actually better. Yeah. Um, you know, I think uh, some festivals just kind of tie their hands because they get so excited about a specific film and you kind of maybe miss out. And, and it's not, uh, it doesn't feel as fair to me in the process um, in terms of like selecting your films. That's an excellent point. I like that. Good advice for sure. And uh, Paul Osborne, who's an alumni friend of the festival, did a really great documentary called Official Rejection about his film festival process with his first movie, 10 Till Noon. And the Phoenix right. Film Festival played kind of a significant role in the film as far as one of his favorite festivals. And he talked about just how filmmaker friendly it is. And that's something I found um, attending uh, before I was even part of the Phoenix Press. And, you know, not just with the networking and the parties, the awards voting, that kind of thing to help recognize films and give up and coming directors a leg up, but also your outreach programs, some of the roundtable style Q&A, the events that you have. So talk to me about some of those programs and things that you have going on this year. Yeah, I mean, we'd like to definitely keep the uh, the filmmakers busy because, yes. well, you know, that's what it's all about. And, you know, we, we, we created a way, you know, something that happens is we try to like bulk up like our film categories together so like okay opening weekend we have world cinema screening together second weekend we have u.s features in that way because these people are all like they're they're their peers and they're screening yeah. together and also give them an opportunity to bond together and um and uh you know watch each other's films that's uh that's what's so cool it's so good. Are excited to watch each other's movies and you know and that that happens like uh there's some you know there's some planning behind that because you know, we create, uh, you know, for the U.S. filmmakers, we have a filmmaker dinner when they yeah. come into town for the feature films. And so, like, they're buddies right away. They're not uh, trying to figure out who's who. You know, they've, they've kind of got a club going right away. And so that definitely is, uh, you know, a great advantage and something we've been doing and, and one of my favorite nights of the year. And so that's really cool for our filmmakers. But the panels, like you mentioned, you know, festivals all do their, their panel discussions and, and those kind of things. But we also, um, as part of our high school outreach, and it's coming back this year, is um, we have uh, the um, educational outreach program. So we have a panel discussion day for um, like high school kids. Um, they That's come out so like nice. field trip style. And so we do like four or five panels during the day. And so like the, the schools sign up and, we, you know, we'll probably have like 100 kids out for that panel day. And there's a couple other days where they learn about screenwriting specifically and production where we'll have some live sets going. And so they'll learn you know they'll get to see some cool gear and they'll also like we also set up a theater that has like like guerrilla style filmmaking like how to make a 
you know, how you can make a movie with your iPhone, that kind of stuff. So we yeah. give them like a good perspective. And so like, and I know like filmmakers love that because, you know, they all wish that uh, they had programs like that when they were in high school, you know, and, and we all do like the more like arts and enriching, enriching programs that we can do is really great. And so filmmakers respect that and they love to participate in that. And so that's another like way for us to bond with those filmmakers and getting them engaged in those programs. Um, and then, you know, like you said, our parties, you know, we, uh, we have one, uh, you know, Friday, Saturday night, both weekends. Um, and so uh, our opening weekend, we put up a big tent in the parking lot. So we have uh, our opening night event where we have uh, 12 different restaurants participating. And, uh, you know, and we have music, a silent auction and everything like that. Um, and then we show the Ray Romano movie, which is awesome. I love it. Oh, and, uh, I can't wait. I think he's so talented, so, especially in his so dramatic good. work. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He's, he's, I don't. I can't figure it out. He's just like, he's just got such a natural yeah. like acting style. He's just like, mm-hmm. you know, it's him, but he's like, man, there was a show like a uh, men of a certain age a few years back with him and oh, Andre yes. Brower. Oh man. It was so good, but he's so great in that movie. And that's part of opening night. It's just one big movie. And then our Friday night party is industry night. So we basically like the uh, Arizona film community. It's their biggest networking night of the year. Um, it's part mm-hmm. of our party. And we have, you know, a bunch of booths from local film production companies and stuff. And then our Saturday night party is film prom. So it's ah, uh, so you can dress prom up. night for adults. Right, exactly. So it'll be uh, some kind of candy theme prom um, based on our Willy Wonka poster art, which you can kind of see above my head. Um, yeah. The uh, And then the second weekend, uh, we don't have the tent, but we partner with a uh, uh, new restaurant bar just outside the theater called Dooley's, where they have uh, the piano bars, dueling piano bars, um, oh, nice. entertainment, yeah, on both Friday and Saturday. And so it'll be a really cool, uh, cool party event for uh, for both weekends. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a great way for people to hang out and network and talk. And and, uh, and some of these filmmakers, I mean, they may like Paul Osborne's a great example. They're just lifelong friendships have these uh, with other filmmakers at the festival and end up working with them for like, and, and Paul's case, he's worked for, there's some people he's worked for, over the, you know, over a decade now that he met at our festival. Yeah, I know. That's so wonderful. Special guests are a big part of the festival. Um, I've seen some wonderful examples of that. I remember going to the Merry Gentleman and uh, it was, I think Michael Keaton was supposed to be there, but he broke his leg. But then um, the the Q&A with, uh, I believe it was a producer and an actor in the film was just so wonderful. And um, I remember once not realizing it was Jonathan Sheck and we were both trying to avoid a camera and I made a joke like he was just some regular like, oh, yeah, who wants to get their picture taken? And I walk away and it was Jonathan Sheck. So, you know, (laughs) special guests are all over the place. So have there been any particularly memorable instances or uh, of this that you want to share some stories? Yeah. It's 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 kind of cool, you know, when the, you know, and recently uh, Tom Sizemore passed and we didn't really yeah. know for sure. We didn't know he was even coming to the festival. He was in a horror movie and then all of a sudden he's at the festival. Oh, so that's nice. a really cool. Yeah, that's a really great story. And and Jonathan Sheck, you know, he's uh, he's one of those guys. He came to our festival probably three different times with different films. Yeah. And he's just he's such a great guy and so kind. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a and it, and it's always kind of like these folks that are like uh, on the like character actor side, that are always like the kindest, sweetest people like yeah. Jonathan and, and Eddie Jamison from so many things, including the ocean. Oh, movies. that's right. Yes. Yeah. I talked to him too. He was great. He's so sweet. And uh, you know, we, we love Eddie and, and we hope that he, he makes another film just to an excuse to hang out with him again. Yeah. But those kind of folks like it's all, they're always like so down to earth and, um, 
Oh my gosh, um, man, there's a there's an actress that I'm totally basing on, but she was super kind, and I feel like a jerk for not remembering her name. Um, but uh, <laughs> I didn't cut that story. <laughs> but uh, you know, so you know, it's about like uh, the folks that are there to be there and engage is really what ends up like those are the best folks. So I think like this year, Anna Camp is coming um, to be part of the festival. She's in oh, a horror. Wow. She's in she's in a yeah. horror movie that has its world premiere, and it's a film that's picked up by Shutter and AMC Plus called uh, From Black. And uh, the filmmaker, the director, he had a documentary in our festival like six or seven years ago. And uh, this is his first like uh, horror feature. And uh, so we're, we're excited to have that world premiere. And, and the whole gang from that movie, John Ailes, I don't know if you know John Ailes, the actor, character actor as well. He'll be there. Um, everybody from that film. So they're really excited. That's like that building that relationship just because, yeah. you know, Tom Thomas Marchese, the director, he like had such a great experience with us last time. He got basically one festival shot with his movie and he came to us with it. And so uh, we're really proud oh, that's of that. So nice. Yeah. So it's, yeah. And it's like those, these things coming organically. We used to like really force to like force it to try to get celebrity guests and stuff. And what happens then is you sometimes end up with really some terrible movies. And uh, you we had that happen. Because you have yeah. to commit. I'm not going to say which films and stuff, but that oh, happened no. over at Scottsdale. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So we, we quit doing that. We won't, uh, you know, we're going to book the films first. And if yeah. somebody comes along with it, that's great. Wonderful. You know, yeah. Right? That's, we just had, you know, we had a bad ex- couple of bad experiences and we were done with that. And, and people are always like, oh, celebrity is going to be there. And uh, it's like, we want to be about the films and yeah, anything that else comes along with that. Right. And that's our audiences will respect that. The filmmakers will respect that because they're watching these films too. And if they see us playing garbage because we have a celebrity attached, that's not going to make them feel better about the film they've entered into our festival. Yes. And some of the times the celebrity doesn't even want to be there because they know that the film is bad as well. I've interviewed right. enough people that are like, no, that movie's terrible. Yes. So it's good you have that um, film centric experience. Um, right. And that's, that's a and priority. It yeah, yeah. And it works out. You know what I mean? Like when you end up with uh, like Bo Burnham, who directed Eighth Grade, that was like, yeah, a and they're passionate. Any- Right. He directed the film. And so he was really excited to come out, support the film. And, and it was so, you know, that movie's so delightful. It's so good. Um, and, and he was such a good guy. And he was super tall, super taller than I thought he was, which was interesting. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm not a short guy, but I was like, damn. Uh, but, uh, but that kind of thing, you know, having those things happen organically just feels better. You know, when I know that, okay, eighth grade, A24, we feel yes. pretty good about this movie no matter what. Um, and then like, uh, Good thing happened. Up. Yeah, and then we had yeah. a film uh, with uh, I can't remember the title. Dimitri Martin had a movie he directed, and he came out, and it was the same thing. They're just like they're because they've directed this movie. This is their baby, and they want to be yes. engaged, and they want to experience the festival. They're really just so much more like grateful and and happy to be here, and so that just feels so much better, and the audience can feel it that way, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we talked about a couple of the fiction features that are going to be playing, but are there any that uh, you want to call attention to that people should really seek out? You know, I'm pretty excited um, about a movie called Spinning Gold, which is coming out in theaters shortly after the festival. But, you know, it's really cool. It's a story that I wasn't as familiar with uh, the start of Casablanca Records, who busted out, uh, you know, like, uh, gosh, uh, the village people, Donna Summer, Kiss. Like in the 70s, they were basically like, they were an independent label that just busted out all these giant stars, uh, Gladys Knight. And so uh, uh, Jeremy Jordan's the lead actor in the movie. And performers like Jason Derulo's in it with Khalifa. And they're performing as the uh, 
you know, as these historical cast members. And so it's really, or musicians. And uh, so that's a really cool feel. I think it's a, it's a really nice film. And I think it'll play great. Uh, I really, uh, you know, I love the film. I love m- movies about music. And so it's right in my wheelhouse. So Me that's, too. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's one I'm always uh, on board for. So it was a, I think it was a really nice get for us. Uh, we're excited about that film. And, um, you know, thinking of uh, like narratives, you mentioned Renfield, like, uh, you know, we're, it's, it's crazy that we're going to close the festival on a uh, horror comedy, but man, yeah. Nicholas Cage is a vampire. I mean, comedy? who can nah. go wrong with that? Yeah. Right. Exactly. So, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, as a, as a festival, we're willing to, to do stuff like that. You know, a lot, not a lot of festivals are like, Oh, this makes sense. We're going to close with <laughs> the horror comedy. But like, you know, you've got to, you got to try new things. You want to like, you have a, a great opportunity for a, for a fun film and like, let's, let's have fun at the festival. It's not just about like, Oh, this movie's very artsy and really great. And, and fun movies can be great too. And so, uh, yes. you know, we, we had the, the massive talent film with Nicolas Cage last year. Oh, so. that was a blast. Right. Yes. That's so much fun. And it's not like a film that, uh, that you typically think of at film festivals. And I think, you know, for us, it's important to be more inclusive and accessible to people. You know, there's yeah. festivals you go to and everyone's like, Oh, are you on the list for this party? Are you on the list for this movie? You know, we're like, ah, nah. Parties are open to the public, except for opening night, which is our big fundraiser. But like, you know, we want people to engage. We want filmmakers to be accessible and be there because it creates like a sense of community. Like we're all hanging out. We're all we're all watching mm-hmm. the movie. We're all like before that movie starts, we're all on the same side. We want this yes. movie to be great. We want we to do. like especially that environment. Yeah. yeah. The filmmakers there, you like, I want to be the guy that sees this guy, this filmmaker first and and discovers this great film. <laughs> You know, and that's where like our tagline, find your new favorite movie came in because everybody like walks away and they're like, oh, it's amazing. I love this movie. I would have never saw it otherwise. And so being able to foster that environment where filmmakers and film goers are just hanging out, loving movies, talking about movies for 11 days, man, it's just a great feeling. It is. And I think one of the best things about it is when you talk to people. They recommend what they have seen. You guys share info. And so you might go for one of the super accessible, more Hollywood type films. And then you talk to somebody who mentions an indie that you never heard of or hadn't thought of, or maybe were a little worried about. And then the way that they talk about it and engage you makes you think, I'm going to give it a chance. So yeah, it's opening people's eyes a little bit. Yeah. Right. It's kind of like, we kind of talk about like the bigger movies being like the bait. That kind there of you go. people in. Yes. And they and they get hooked. I have so many people that I've met over the years are like, oh, I came to see that one movie, but then I heard about these other things. I was reading the, the program and I got a flex pass and I went to a party and just all those little things just kind of like came together. And so it's just uh, you know, it's it's people like because of the environment and the vibe that happens when they're there and just the excitement, like it's contagious and people get hooked. Yes. I remember one year I just came and I thought I was going to be just for like two nights, three nights. I think I went like four or five days in a row because the films were so great. So yeah, it was it was very wonderful. And when I was talking to you and we were planning this, I asked for any favorite discoveries that you have had over the years, and which is a really tricky question because you play so many wonderful movies every year. But you did come up with two, a documentary and then a narrative feature. And the documentary was completely new to me and it was such a delight. It's Andrew Jenks Room 335 and it came out in 2006. So talk to me about that one. Oh my gosh. You know, I think he was a 19 at the time when he made yes. it, uh, Andrew Jenks, and he decided to move into a, to a senior care facility. And uh, he and the uh, 
like sound guy and camera guy. Yeah. That's it. And like basically kind of to experience what these residents and learn about them. And he captured lightning in a bottle with that documentary. He like, really did. The personalities yeah. of the people. And I don't, I don't think this is a rarity. I think if you go to mm-hmm. any of these, like any of these, these senior living places, you're going to run into people like this. But he just captured. And like the reason, like there's so many opportunities where that could have gone poorly. Like if yeah. he has the wrong, if or, he has the wrong felt, attitude. like manipulative. Right. Or, or making fun of them. Yes. Like if he is not, he and his buddies, Jonah and the other guy, if they are not, super sincere throughout Gen- this whole process yeah. and genuine this yep. doesn't work but all the way like you could tell they cared about these people and because of that those people cared about them and there's that bond because he's there what 30 days yeah and it's just incredible and you see like the 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 joy you know the joyful parts of those people and, and the heartbreaking parts of what those people go through and all through the eyes of this 19 year old kid who's like you know, five or six decades younger than a lot of these folks, but they, you know, they create some common bond and he becomes like a, like a, like a adopted grandson of sorts to them. And, and it just like, it, it just feels so great. And, and he, and he has some great move, music for that, for the doc as well. Yes. And then you, and then you learn about like afterwards how he, on his website, he basically had a page where people could contact the residents and send them emails. Oh, that's so so nice. People would go on the site and they would send them. And then like the staff at the care center would read them to them or deliver them if they were still like, if their eyesight was good. And so it's just a little stuff like that. And then, and then he went on, Andrew Jinks went on to have like a show on MTV where he did something like for, for a few days or a week or something. And then he has a, like he had a podcast, which was really great. And, and he kind of started film, like creating like a high school film festival when he was in high school. Um, Oh, that's so wonderful. He's just a great story. And then, uh, you know, and then he was here and he was like every good as a guy, you know, as uh, as he was in the film. And it was, you know, it's uh, it's it's one of my favorite docs ever. And uh, it just still rings true to me and thinking about it. Like, I just feel good about it. And I remember like viewing it as part of the committee and just loving it. And my wife watched it with me and and she threatened Greg Hall. Like if he didn't program this, (laughs) he might uh, feel some harm. But uh, fortunately, he saw the charm and, and the greatness in that documentary uh, that uh, that uh, we did. And so, um, and he, you know, and he had some success on the circuit and, uh, you know, and his career. He's done some really cool things. And he's like definitely like one of those people that still does the right thing. And, you know, you see it out there still. Jeez, wow. 17 yeah. years later. Holy cow. He's like mid-30s now. And little, oh, my God. Andrew Jenks. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> no, I especially loved it because when I was a teenager, I volunteered uh, at an assisted living place and I helped out. I, my job was mainly to go visit the the people that didn't have relatives living by or kind of stayed in their room, the wallflowers. You go and you'd watch Jeopardy's and that's part of the, the movie, of course, is how much they love Jeopardy and look forward to it. And you watch Jeopardy with them. I showed them movies. We played cards, you know, and you do form these really intense friendships. Sometimes they're a little wary of you right away. And then when I moved to Arizona, I programmed and hosted um, some films with the Scottsdale Public Library and had a screening series. And it was right in the center of where a bunch of senior residences were. So we were kind of the official uh, out 
the official day out was every Sunday and they would come and, you know, learn about movies and be talking about like road to perdition with me and getting really excited. And so I really loved that whole thing. And I think it really encourages people watching to maybe want to get involved uh, with these people because they've lived just, you know, they can offer you so much guidance, friendship, and you can help brighten their day. And yeah, I love that. He is so sincere. At first, when it started, I thought, is this like a bit? What is he doing? And then when he arrives, he's really nervous and shy and wants to make sure that they know that he's on the level with them. And right. I thought that was really good. Yeah. Yeah, I was the I was the same way. I was nervous, like, where's this gonna go? Yes. And then like, <laughs> super fast, you're like, he no, just, I like, trust he him. He just embraces them, and and they yes. embrace him, and it's it's just delightful. Yeah, and then another film that you said was one of your favorites that played there was uh, Sing Street, John Carney's movie from 2016. We're both probably huge fans of Once. I love that film. Glenn Hansard and Marquette Arglova are going to tour again. I think they've already started over in Ireland, but oh, in America, yeah, they're going to be here. I'm I'm like half tempted to go to LA in August just to see them because I'm I'm such a fan. But Sing Street is great because uh, somebody who grew up in the 80s and 90s, uh, I was very young in the 80s, but I still remember the music and, you know, people's older brothers and sisters playing uh, in bands and listening to that. And uh, it was here in America. It takes place in Dublin, 1985. It's just an infectious, fun movie. So talk to me about Sing Street. Yeah, the, the, the you know, it's the, you know, it's uh, that new wave time. Yeah. And so, like, it was such a, I don't know, it was like, uh, I, I, we watch um, every once in a while the, uh, we have a like a MTV classic on direct TV. And so we have to watch videos and they have an old 80s section. And I'm just Ooh. mesmerized when they, some especially like the, the new wave stuff pops up and, and my, uh, my four year old will just sit there and just glue, glue himself and just get, <laughs> but it has that, that soul, that new wave spirit is totally there. And, um, the the uh the the original songs are so great in this they movie. They really are. They yeah. fit right in with the other ones, yeah, which is amazing when you're playing like Duran Duran and stuff. Yeah, for sure. Like it was it was interesting, like how they managed to like capture that sound of the time with new original music, and that doesn't happen too often. No, they did it great in you know going back to Jonathan Check. They did it great in that thing you do. Um, yes. With, yeah. Um, I mean, they beat beat you up with that thing you do, but there's a few other songs, and it just has that great feel. Yeah, so, I liked some of the other ones just as much for sure. Right. And so Sing Street like does that, and like the the spirit of these young actors, young performers, is so great. And even though like clearly he had more money than he did making once, it yes. still had that like great indie feel to it. It does. It feels uh, yeah. very organic. Yeah. Right. And it, it's like, uh, I don't know, man, that guy, he could do no wrong for me, John Carney, man. He's just like, so sincere. So really, I tried to get that movie that he had at Sundance this year with Joseph His Gordon. new one. Yeah. And it, they just weren't quite ready to uh, release it into uh, our world yet. Uh, okay. I think they're, I think they're pushing it. I'm guessing towards the end of the year is my guess because it was how well it was received and Probably for awards consideration. Yeah, Apple that definitely. Big push. Yeah, they spent a lot of money on the movie, so um, more than they did on Coda. And that worked out okay for them. Um, <laughs> a good gamble for them. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm really excited about that. Even like, uh, what was his other movie? Um, Begin Again was good. Yeah, I yeah, liked it. It, I like, it got knocked a bit, but 
he clearly had a little bit more money, so it's shiny yeah. actors and stuff like that. But uh, Mark Ruffalo's so good in that, and uh, yeah, Kira Knightley, yeah, oh, and the songs are so good. It's, it is. It's really good. I think that people. Um, I don't know why they just. I, I think maybe they're like, oh, he's got budget now, and and, and kind of uh, the shot <laughs> kind of that bit, thing, but like up oh, Green Day signed with a bigger label. We don't like them anymore. Right, that right. But yeah, I still like there was still that charm, and the music yes. is great, and the characters are so real. And uh, yeah, so I'm really excited for what comes next. But Sing Street, man, that spirit, and it just felt like we played it on like a Sunday evening, and it just like it was, you know, it's a spot where we like to try to play like a movie like that just kind of feels good, but is really great. Like, uh, like we've got the, the Michael J. Fox documentary in that spot. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, typically, you know, it just like a heartfelt. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. It ends up being that on a, on a Sunday evening, you know, our big centerpiece film like feels like that a lot of times. And so, uh, um, yeah, Sing Street, I just, uh, I love it. Uh, um, and we'll have to, we'll have to show it again someday. Forget yeah. who, who owns that movie now. Somebody, <laughs> but it, not the original owners. So yeah. it was a, I think it was a Weinstein movie. It was. That's yeah. true. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. I'm glad you brought it up. As far as getting the rights, um, is because you also, I remember at one festival, you were playing a couple rep screenings uh, late at night, like midnight movies. Um, is that pretty hard to do? Or you work with Harkins on that? How does that we work? We work through Harkins. You know, they're yeah. they're a really great partner. And uh, the team over there, they'll they'll help us secure when we do retro titles. And they're really yeah. helpful on that. Um, and just, uh, you know, they do that. Uh, um, it's Because otherwise, if you try to do it on your own, it's impossible. Um, yeah. You know, for, for us anyway, and how we operate our business as a nonprofit and doing things at the theater. But working through Harkins, it makes life easier. And, and there's a whole, you know they've got a whole like list of what's on DCP and what's not. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, with Disney saying no to movies and Fox now being under Disney, we don't get to access to those titles. I know. So That's such yeah. a it's, uh, you know, we've got to figure out uh, this year. Um, we kind of had a section, we have a section called the uh, Iranian women revolt. So it's all, like films from, uh, Iranian women directors. And many of them are still living in Iran. Um, very cool. Yeah. It's a really cool section. And so we, Oftentimes we'll put a retro section or something cool like that. So we'll see what we come up with next year. And I think we'll bring back some retro titles and, and do some stuff like that. But this is a great opportunity with the distributor that we work with for a long time. And he had this package of seven features and a group of shorts. And, you know, we're like, hey, let's do this. Let's check it out. That's and, awesome. you know, and why not? You know, it gives us an opportunity to showcase, uh, you know, uh, uh, an underserved uh, demographic for sure. Not a lot of a. Uh, um, Iranian women directed films out there so getting to no. do that you know it's important yeah. for us to you know be part of the community and have films like that and and do good things like that is uh, you know part of uh, you know our mission yeah I saw this year you guys are also doing something with the uh, Ukraine yeah yeah we have the uh, um it's it's a really cool like evening that we've put together um we it's it built around um, this great documentary um that uh, was made by Gil Cates Jr. Okay. Called Displaced. It's like a half hour documentary. He um, was friends uh, with the family, with, with some people that were sponsoring a family coming over from the Ukraine, um, like one of the first families to get out to settle in California. And so he was there like the moment they arrived. And it's like three generations of this family who went through hell to get here. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it's kind of them telling their stories and what they left behind and how it went and, and stuff like that. And so basically what we're going to start with is there's, um, fortunately, there's uh, a couple of former volunteers who uh, 
one of them, his company sponsored another family that settled in Phoenix. Oh, nice. Um, so, yeah. So we're going to talk to that family a little bit. Um, and then we're going to show that uh, short documentary. And then um, Gil will be there with uh, members of the other family that's settled in California. And so we've kind of bookending it with a local connection, going with the doc, and then having those folks in that documentary. And, and Gil Cates, uh, he's a great, uh, great guy. Um, his dad, Gil Cates Sr., produced the Oscars for yeah. ever. And mm-hmm. uh, Gil, we've shown uh, two or three of his films over the years, uh, feature films. And so uh, when he reached out and we were trying to figure out what we could do with this half-hour movie, it just, uh, it was nice that we were able to kind of piece together this uh, this idea together. And, you know, it's, it's cool. And it's uh, an opportunity for us to kind of stretch out, do something a little different. Um, and also, like, raise awareness to, Jesus, what these people are going through and, and being able to, you know, remind people this is not over. And no. there's people living there trying to, you know, survive um, and getting to, you know, have a platform to do that. Because, you know, there's people That's who are important. like, yeah. right, are you doing political things? No, we're not doing political things. We're we're doing people things and human things. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. It's not it's not political to 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 support people that are like yeah. getting terrorized or you know showcasing films from lgbtq filmmakers you know yeah. american native america like this isn't like a political cause or no this is like it's people getting yeah. right. <laughs> these are people that like deserve to have their stories told and so you know it's important to us you know uh, you know and it gives it also gives us an opportunity to like more inclusivity you know more people coming to the film festival everybody loves movies you know yes, and so it's universal for everybody right yeah. And so it shouldn't just be, we shouldn't just be going after people that love art house movies. We want people. Yeah. All kinds of films. Get, right. We want people, you know, in Native American community to see films from Native American directors. And so, um, you know, that's just part, that's of, the, another, part of what yeah, we're building. That's another aspect that I love. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, you know, when we, when we were doing this, like the idea is not just uh, like, I don't want, you know, um, you know, some white guy telling me a lot. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't yeah. want, I don't want like a. Uh, you know, him telling me an immigration story. I'd rather hear it from nice. people that are yes. living it and their families and, or even like, or even they're telling, you know, a story, you know, a story that doesn't have to be Latinx story. They can tell whatever story they want, but it's coming from their perspective and their vision. And we're giving them the opportunity, you know, as an underserved, you know, filmmaker that who doesn't have, you know, probably not playing on an even field in a lot of ways, an opportunity to showcase those films. And that way people that from those communities and go, Hey, that's somebody who looks like me. That's making a movie. I want to see they're living the same, a lot of the same lives that I have left, left lived. And so let me, let me check it out. That's kind yeah. of the idea behind that, that community spotlight category. And we continue to grow that. And uh, hopefully we'll even have a, a little larger uh, um, contingent of filmmakers attending this year, which I'm really excited about. Oh, that's wonderful. Yes. All kinds of films for all kinds of people. And when you're there, you learn about new cultures and new movies and you might go for the bait and then find an indie or something that you love just as much if not more well jason i want to thank you so much for doing this it's always a pleasure and uh i can't wait to hear about this festival and uh everybody should check it out and so pretty good but we don't have the merry gentleman again we have to bring that back i think you loved that movie me and jeff mitchell are like oh, the like three the people three... that love this yes. movie. Yes. Like, uh, we gotta, I feel like I got to bring it back just to make more people aware of how great this movie is. And maybe we can get Michael Keaton to come because yeah. I love Michael Keaton. So. Yes. 
I know I wrote a huge essay on it, mainly just to try to like get people to check out this movie. So yeah, and I saw it right at the Phoenix Film Fest. You just yeah, right. See, you found one of your new favorite movies. I did at the Phoenix Film Fest. See, it's legit. It is legit. It's not a bullshit tagline. No, no. (laughs) Yes. Well, thank you. Maybe it's both. Awesome. Good talking to you, Jen. (laughs) Yeah, you too. I also want to thank everyone for listening, especially my patrons who support the show and help fund my research equipment, film rentals, RSS fees, and more for as little as a dollar per month at the Film Intuition Patreon, which is the home base for the show. Other ways you can support the podcast are by sharing, reviewing, and subscribing to Watch with Jen wherever you get your podcasts, and also checking out the cool merch store hosted and created by our talented logo designer, Kate Gabrielle. You can find the merchandise store, including shirts, tote bags, stickers, and more by visiting filmintuition.com and clicking on the shop link. The show's theme music is solo acoustic guitar by Jason Shaw and is available in the free music archive. You can also reach me or interact with Watch With Jen anytime on Twitter, either at Film Intuition or our Watch With Jen account as well. Well, until next time, please take care and happy movie watching. This is Jen Johans at FilmIntuition.com and FilmIntuition on social media and Letterboxd. And this is Watch with Jen.